1: live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show, presented by Super Draft Wednesday, August 26th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We've got three games to break down for today, two of which going to be tough ones. One, I cannot wait to watch Rockets Thunder. But enough about what I want. Let's find out what Greg wants. Greg, how are you? Yeah, so I mean, I'm looking at... We'll talk a little bit more about strategy
0: as we go along. But I mean, we look at these games... Uh, th- only three games late. Two of them look like fairly likely blowouts. Lakers, 13 and a half point favorites over the Blazers without Damian Lillard. The Bucks 14 point favorites over the Magic. So, I mean, I'm looking at that. And then obviously we have Thunder OKC, 2-2 in the series. That's probably going to be a competitive game. Like, just general strategy. I'm thinking like try to stack the OKC Houston game
1: just because I want to mitigate risk to blowouts. <sighs> One of those games will not be a blowout. I think that figuring out which one isn't will be very key to your success. That is my. I mean, it's that's my it's, guess.
0: It's possible, uh, and I also think that there's some reason to stack the Lakers-Portland game or the Bucks-Magic game. The issue is if you're playing players from all three games, the odds of all three of them being closers not all that likely to me. So that, that's why I think that honestly, like this, I, I, I've always talked about this. You want to focus a little bit more on stacks just because it's so hard to be able to spread exposure out in the same lineups across all three games. And if one of them is a blowout, then, then those lineups are dead if you're not focused in on individual games.
1: Yeah. It, on a three game slate, you know, you're more likely to have one outlier slate or one outlier game. And you're going to want to be on that game. It's it's more important on a smaller slate than it is on a larger slate. We're going to have a ton to talk about today. We know, As of right now, no Damian Lillard. Uh, I assume in the next 90 minutes, we're going to find out if either one of LeBron or AD are going to show up on the injury report as something other than probable. Um, You expecting those guys to play? Yeah, I mean, it is a little weird because
0: AD did leave last game early, but I mean, he is listed as probable on the injury report. So just with that information, I have to assume he plays, especially when I'm trying to figure out how many minutes everybody gets, which is way up in the air right now anyway. But as of now, yeah, I have to assume that LeBron and AD both play.
1: Yeah, uh, we are on the exact same page there. Uh, As you come in the door, you know the drill. Please hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, all that jazz. We have tons of content every single day. We've got a MLB strategy show coming up after this. We've got a fantasy football show coming up in the afternoon. NBA Live before lock. MLB Live Before Lock, PGA Live Before Lock, tonight at 8.30 with Ben Raza and Jason Roslin. We're just filling the schedule today. It's like a true sports channel. You want to subscribe to it. Don't miss out on anything we have. And shout out to Super Draft for being the sponsor. I'll tell you a little bit more about those guys in the future. But let's start it off. You ready? Uh, As ready as I'll ever be. There we go. Milwaukee Bucks, Orlando Magic. Bucks are 14-point favorites. 3-1 in the series With the opportunity to close out the magic and then begin their date with the Miami Heat, which should be pretty fun. We'll start on the Milwaukee side. Eleven three on Fanduel. Eleven three on DraftKings. No multiplier on Super Draft. How are you managing Giannis Antetokounmpo in this strategy or on in this slate for today? Yeah, so I think he's viable for sure.
0: Uh, If we look at the four stars on the slate, right? There's James Harden, Giannis, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I think Harden's pretty clear number one for me, especially just because of how much more important that game is than the, than the other ones. But then I have Giannis, two ahead of LeBron and Anthony Davis just because I think even though the Bucks are 14-point favorites and the Lakers are 13-and-a-half, I perceive there being more blowout risk in the Lakers game than the Blazers game. Like To me, I think the Blazers have just been an overrated team pretty much all season, and it's bared out a little bit against the spread records of all playoff teams. The Blazers are the worst re- worst record against the spread of any playoff team. And I just don't really understand how we look at these rosters and say the Bucks should be bigger favorites over the magic than the Lakers are over the Blazers. When we consider the last three Lakers games have not been remotely competitive. Now Damian Lillard is also out. So I look at that. I think there's a little bit less blowout risk in the box game. And I think that Giannis is number two in terms of the stars. I want to get exposure to tonight. Yeah,
1: he's 11, three. Uh, I think that I agree with you. I have Harden as my top pay up option on DraftKings. I have Giannis slightly behind him. It makes me nervous when that happens because Giannis is such a good point per minute guy that you don't have to really worry about the blowout for the Bucks. Because they're gonna if they're up by thirty at the end of the third, it's probably because Giannis played like twenty eight minutes and has, you know, fifty-six fantasy points or something like that.
0: So the difference for this slate though is like, we just look at how Budenholzer handles these guys' minutes. And if the game is, like, kind of in hand, Giannis is going to play, like, 32 to 34 minutes. Harden, could, Harden might play 44 minutes today, yeah. right? Like, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't play over 40 minutes. So just because of the dis, the the difference in amount of time I expect him to play on the floor, that, that's really what has me going towards Harden.
1: Yeah, I think that's super reasonable. And I expect to have more Harden than Giannis. I think that Giannis is going slightly over-owned on FanDuel. I think he's going slightly over-owned on DraftKings. Uh, I don't have much interest in Chris Middleton either. 6600 on FanDuel, definitely a better price tag than the $7,800 he has got on DK. But I don't anticipate going there. I'm looking more at, like, it pains me to say it. Maybe Eric Bledsoe on FanDuel just because of the way the position is broken down. Um, maybe a little Dante Divincenzo on DraftKings at thirty four hundred to start opening up a little bit of value. Do you see anything on Milwaukee that you do want to get to?
0: You know, it's funny because I wrote uh, the the pick and the pick and edge article I do for for Osmo. I wrote about this game and I, I was talking about looking for guys who I think stand to benefit from a blowout. And one of the guys that stood out to me was Dante Divincenzo. Uh, DiVincenzo, I kind of thought he was going to play a bigger role in the playoffs than what he's played just because in the regular season, he was a guy who, you know, pretty regularly played 22 to 26 minutes. And then when they would rest players, DiVincenzo was among the guys who was resting. So all that kind of led to me that like, Hey, this is a guy they kind of view as a core player. And then we get into the playoffs and he's been, he's been playing like 15 minutes per game. So I kind of think that he's a guy who, if the game's a blowout, he's going to be on the court in the fourth quarter. And he's a pretty good permanent fantasy producer. Like, you look at him off the bench this year, he's scoring about a fantasy point per minute. So if, it, if this game's going to be a blowout where DiVincenzo plays like 25 minutes, like, I think there's a pretty good chance that he scores right around 25 fantasy points or so. And that would make him a really good value play, especially given the context of this late.
1: Well, it does make me feel pretty good that we're on the same page there. And again, at 3,400, there's not a lot that could really hurt you. And he doesn't need all that much on a three-game slate. There isn't this isn't like a normal slate during the regular season where we could see like a bunch of three to four K guys just showing up. We sort of know what we're getting at the bottom of these rotations now. Uh, to find value is difficult, especially if you want to try to pay up for guys like Harden or Giannis on a day like today. So I think Divincenzo is in a really nice spot, uh, at least on DraftKings. Anybody else we want to touch on here? Um, I'm just not like super enamored with the Bucks. No. And I mean, I'm really not super enamored with
0: anybody other than just setting up lineups where I really want to go heavy on the Rockets Thunder game. And then just kind of, you know, sprinkling some other guys from other places on top of it, just because I-, I think that these games, like we said, they're just, there's so much uncertainty with the spreads. And uh, then as we get to the magic, I will we'll talk about in a second, we still have Aaron Gordon questionable. <laughs> Do you think he plays? I mean, if he's going to play any time, it would have to be today because this is probably going to be the last game of the season. Uh, I think it's weird that he's just been listed questionable every day. That at least indicates to me that they think there's a chance he could play or else they would have just ruled him out ahead of time. So I I don't know. I, I'm just going to assume that he's questionable for now. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't play. If he does play, I, I find it really unlikely though, that he's going to play his normal like 35 minutes, just right. why? why risk it at this point in the season. So. I think that if he plays, that just really muddles up everybody on the Magic because, you know, without him there, there's extra usage to go around. So now we've got guys like Vucevic is priced up a little bit and he's played really well, but, but that usage goes away if if Gordon's in the lineup. So it, get, it definitely gets, it takes away a lot of guys if Gordon's
1: available. I think we learn a little bit about the scope of his injury if he plays today and the sort of smarts of the Orlando Magic front office. You are down 3-1 and you're bringing back one of your best players potentially in a series that you have essentially zero chance to win in a game where you're at best a 10 point underdog. Like even if you want to give him like the craziest boost, Aaron Gordon comes in and the line moves a ton. You're still a double digit underdog in this game. There is no upside for him to play today. I just don't understand why you would ever put him in the game. Unless you know, like this is not that kind of injury that can be, a long-term injury.
0: Yeah. We, we had almost this exact same situation in the Bucks first round series last year where they're playing the Pistons and the Pistons threw Blake Griffin out there with a bum knee. I mean, and it's a little different because i was walk a hamstring injury, but yeah, Blake Griffin was gutting it out through the knee injury ruined, it took him out for the entirety of this season. And maybe, I mean, Blake Griffin's always been a guy who's been a little bit injury prone anyway, but it maybe totally derailed the, the next few years of his career. Like we don't know if Blake Griffin's ever going to be the same because of that. So I agree with you that there's very little reason for them to actually play Gordon. But I mean, we've seen it happen before, and we met, And just as I mentioned last year, first round series, Bucks Pistons, they did it with with Blake Griffin, and Griffin actually played well from a fantasy standpoint in
1: those games, yeah. also. That brace wow. was just disgusting. It looked like a full cast from his the middle of his quad to like his ankle. <laughs> it's huge. So. I'm not going to I'm
0: not gonna just totally say that I think he's definitely out, but at least it's the first game of the slate, so We'll know ahead of time. Uh, yeah. To me, I think one of the more interesting situations is the Markel Fultz versus D.J. Augustine one because they've been so negatively correlated this series where it seems like every game one of them plays well and then one, the other one doesn't. And it's also kind of been the higher-owned one has been not as good and the lower-owned <laughs> one has been good. And if we look at last game where it was Markel Fultz who had the big game and then it was D.J. Augustine who did not off the bench, Like I have to assume that that's going to end up being reflected in the ownership with Fultz being higher owned than Augustine. The price is about the same. I think both are viable, but just because of what I think the ownership difference is going to end up being, I'm going to lean towards DJ.
1: Yeah. So this one's tricky. Uh, Let me just, I feel like I'm pulling this data in incorrectly. No, I'm not. It's correct. Uh, We have Fultz at 29% owned. That's the highest number for anybody on the magic right now. Um, but Vooch is 26, 48, 27, Terrence Ross, 25. So basically those four guys are all mid to high 20s in ownership. Can't really separate them from a chalk perspective. It does fall off to 11% DJ Augustine. Um, that doesn't necessarily make me like Augustine. It just makes me not like Fultz. I think Fultz is over-owned.
0: Yeah, I agree that Fultz is over on. He's not somebody I wouldn't have in my player pool, but I just think that Augustine's yeah. a really good pivot play because the most likely scenario where Fultz doesn't play well is because Augustine does, just because we've seen this happen over and over in the series where they generally don't share the court together and they just ride with whoever's playing better. And sometimes it's Augustine, sometimes it's Fultz. It's kind of tough to predict which it's going to be. Uh, Fultz does get first crack at it, so I guess that gives him a little bit higher of a floor. But at this point of the season where we're where I'm mostly playing, we're entirely playing GPPs anyway, I don't care about the floor as much as I care about the ceiling.
1: Same. I like Gary Clark. I assume his ownership is just down because we're treating Aaron Gordon as questionable. Um, we have Gary Clark projected for 2% ownership on DraftKings and 5 on FanDuel. It, it doesn't really matter what I think of Gary Clark if Aaron Gordon is out and those numbers are what we end up with. I'm just going to have a lot of him by default. It's not fun. It's Gary Clark, but finding ownership pivots is really difficult. I assume that comes up into like the 10 to 15 range. If Aaron Gordon, if and when Aaron Gordon is ruled out.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think he has a massive ceiling, but I think his floor is decent without Aaron Gordon. And that, you know, that's, that's somewhat <laughs> valuable at a cheap place, a yeah. uh, cheap price point on this slate. Uh, but I mean, we look at him in, in the series playing about 30 minutes per game as a starter twenty-one point two DraftKings points per game. So I, I think he's okay. I, I'm not necessarily excited to play him just because the 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 ceiling is capped a little bit. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess he's I guess he's fine. Like who, who else who else for cheap are we really thrilled about
1: playing on this slate? <laughs> exactly. Um, this is going to be another slate where I just have a ton of dudes from Orlando. I don't think it'll be anybody with crazy exposure. I've had real big amounts of Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross and. Markel Fultz in the past today just feels like I'm probably going to have one or two of these dudes in everything. And I don't really know how to separate one through seven relative to their salary. I think they're all like pretty much the same. So there's one guy that
0: I think is not terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. Not somebody, I would, not somebody that would get a ton of exposure to, but if Aaron Gordon's out, I think Kem Birch has a little bit of upside in in the event of a blowout. Not somebody would be like, oh, I want to get like 20% of Ken Birch, but just to throw him in a few lineups. If we look at it at the end of the regular season, they played a game against Brooklyn that was a blowout. Ken Birch played 27 minutes, scored almost 30 DraftKings points. Uh, he's not really played a ton this series, except the games have also been kind of competitive in this series. Like some of them have been a little lopsided, but not to the point where it's like, hey, Ken Burch is playing all well fourth quarter. But I mean, as is, he's playing about 18 minutes per game in the series if this is a spot where the Magic are trailing by like 20 in the fourth quarter and Aaron Gordon's out, I think we could see Ken Burch play like 25 minutes or so. And if that's the case, then he probably scores over 20 DraftKings points. So at 3,200, I think that he's okay. But that's only if Aaron Gordon's out also because yeah, he kind of falls out of the rotation if, if Gordon plays.
1: Yeah, if, if Aaron Gordon plays, Ken Burch isn't going to see any minutes at the four almost – guarantee that, uh, you know, barring the the full on blowout. Yeah. I actually like that Birch call. Uh, We have him at 3% ownership. Um, I have him being a relevant play 7% of the time. Uh, That's a really nice sort of small leverage piece where you don't have to go crazy on Ken Birch, but you know, he's probably going a little underrepresented for the way that value is set up, particularly at 3,200 on DK on super draft. This one's easy. There are two options in this game. Giannis with no multiplier whatsoever. 1.0 doesn't matter. He's still Giannis like going there on super draft and then Vooch 1.25 X multiplier. I project him for 63. I see him and Giannis pretty similar. Once the multiplier gets added in, we didn't really talk about Vooch at all. Um, he's looked good in this series. I don't think it really matters. I assume he just can, they continue to let Vooch be Vooch because they don't find it all that threatening. Any interest? Well,
0: certainly not if Aaron Gordon plays, but if if Aaron Gordon's out, still not really. Just because here's the issue I've had with Vucevic on these slates, and it's the reason why I haven't had as much Vucevic exposure as I should have had in hindsight, is just because there's so many other star players on this slate where it's like the opportunity cost of playing Vucevic is you probably can't roster James Harden or Giannis or Anthony Davis or in the past, you know, LeBron and Damian Lillard. And just because he's so expensive and isn't quite – that tier of a player it's just to me there's been too much of opportunity cost to play Vucevic and also we've generally had some value at center on these slates like Hassan Whiteside's been a decent value even though he hasn't really come through but there's just been other guys that look at where it's like hey they're cheap plays that are viable at center and I'd rather just pay up for other guys and I kind of feel the same way this slate also even though Vucevic has played well it's just the price tag is still really high.
1: He's too he's priced too close relatively speaking to Anthony Davis and I can't take Anthony da- like I can't take Vooch behind AD especially when Vooch is projected for almost double ownership for right now even if you call it the same if if we're just treating that because AD's injury status is mildly in question I I want Anthony Davis 10 times out of 10 in that comparison and then if I don't want Vooch I think it's so easy to get to the Stephen Adams, Brooke Lopez, Hassan Whiteside range in the fives and just not really have to worry about center like that, save that money and go to start being able to unlock your Hardens, your Giannis's, your LeBron James. I just, I don't like the price tag for Vooch on DraftKings. Yeah, and I mean, he compared his
0: ownership to Anthony Davis and if memory serves correct, he's been higher on than Anthony Davis on every slate on, on DraftKings so far in the playoffs. So there, there's no reason to think that's going to change now. And especially because of- Busovic just did well. People are gonna go keep going back to the well with them. Uh let me see what is his usage been in the last few games. It's also dipped a little bit in the last couple of games, 25 and 28%. Yeah.
1: He's shooting I, so I have outrageous. him at 29 for the game. Uh that still doesn't even make him all that appealing for me.
0: And he's shooting so outrageously well in the series. Like he's shooting yeah. almost 60% from the field. So I just I just look at the usage rating, which has trended down the last couple of games. There's no way that we could expect him to continue to shoot 60. No, it's there's it, it just has it just has regression written all over it. Then plus that if if it's a big you know if it's a 20 point lead for the Bucks in the fourth quarter, he's probably not closing out the game anyway. There's there's a lot more risk than reward with Lusidic, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they've they've shown this like they're pretty comfortable with him getting a mildly open look for three. Uh, I feel like I've seen him shoot over and over and over again with Brooke Lopez being like a half step later than you want him to be on the contest. But it, I don't get the sense that they're also like that. That's wrong. They're just he, like, he that's what they're living <laughs> with. Right. Like I think they're just living with that and Vooch is getting a slightly better look than he normally would, but it, it's not going to matter. And I mean, uh, you, you assume this is a blowout? I don't necessarily assume it's a blowout, but I think that's the most likely scenario. I I don't like doing this sort of gimmick, but is there any chance the Magic wins this game?
0: Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, like, chance.
1: obviously, yes.
0: I mean, but. they've already won a game in this series. So I, I have to say, I have to say, there's a, there's a chance. Uh, it, it's not likely. It's, yeah. I, I think the odds of the Magic losing via blowout is more likely than them winning the game outright.
1: I agree. It's one of those weird situations now where I think it's different than it normally would be in the playoffs with these guys being in Orlando for the past six weeks, seven weeks, whatever that term, like now when you leave, you get to go see everybody, you know, for the first time in like two months, losing is different now than it is if you have just been on the road and like seeing people for two months, it's almost like you, like if I'm the magic it's one, two, three Cancun. Like I want out.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think that makes sense. It's hard for me to like really project that or. Build yeah. That yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything to do so, with that information. Yeah. Like there's nothing I'm going to build my lines around there, but I do think there is maybe a little bit something to where if this is a 20 point game in the third or fourth quarter, I think it's maybe a little more likely players check out than they would have
1: otherwise. Agreed. All right. Let's sum it up. Favorite play from Milwaukee. Favorite play from Orlando.
0: Uh, favorite play from Orlando is probably none of them, uh, <laughs> from, from the buck side of the game, it's going to be Devin Chenzo, just because we're hurting for value on this slate. I think there's a chance that he ends up playing, you know, 20 plus minutes and scoring over 20 fantasy points and given his price point, that's pretty valuable on DraftKings. Uh, I, it's not somebody I want to make a massive investment in just because there's so many, you know, kind of what ifs that have to go into that scenario playing out. But if I look at all the game, the, the two games say they have a chance of being a blowout, the four teams. And I think which player has the most to benefit from a blowout, it's DiVincenzo to me.
1: I am with you there. Uh, give me George Hill on FanDuel, Chenzo on DraftKings. Um, and then for the Magic, I mean, right now it's Gary Clark because our ownership is so low, I assume, because of Aaron Gordon. Uh, if it's not Gary Clark, good God. I mean, I think that like a lot, like most of Orlando is going over owned. So I do like that sneaky Ken Birch call.
0: All right. And I'm, I'm not thrilled about him either. I'm not, I'm not no, going no, 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 like, no, that's... yeah, like I'm definitely not going like, Oh, I'm so confident in Ken Birch. Ken Birch is a double, double lock or anything like that today. It's no. just, it's just relative to other options.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's an ownership thing. The, the easiest way to think about it is he's 3% owned. Let's just say that every piece of data that I have is, is accurate for, like a percentage basis. If I think that he's a great play 7% of the time, like 93% of the time, you're not all that enamored with whatever Ken Birch did. It just so happens that it's better than like the small amount of ownership. So more often than not, it's not going to be fun, but when you're right, there's value in being right. That was a terrible explanation. (laughs) Houston Rockets, Oklahoma city thunder three point favorites for the Rockets. Uh, still no Russ. Although he looked good, did you see the the clip of him like warming up before the game?
0: I didn't. Except, I, I just think it's so weird. I've talked about this before, but why was he playing in that Spurs game? Like, uh-huh. if he was like it, he was he was apparently compromised. He got re injured, and now I, I think the Rockets are just being really cautious with him. I do wonder what happens if let's say Russ is he's clearly not 100. If he was 100, he'd be playing right now. Let's say he doesn't want to sit out games against the Thunder. So let's say he's 85, 90% right now and the Rockets lose today. It seems to me pretty likely that they're going to push Westbrook back for the next game. But Westbrook playing at less than 100% is so far from ideal because that could that could go so terribly. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, they showed him, like, warming up before the game at a relatively high pace. Now, I know that that's different than game pace, but when they went to Chuck and Shaq, I, I mean, both of those guys were like, yeah, he's going to play the next game. Like, this is just, I could tell by the way that he's moving. doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. Uh, however, what, well, let me probably check. should. What, what, what do you think are the odds
0: that they do upgrade him to, like, questionable in a few hours? I don't know, 20%. I didn't even think to look at what his price is. 97 on DraftKings. I was hoping that this would be like a weird situation where, you know, sometimes the pricing on players or like Fandle. And will be like, oh, this guy hasn't played in three weeks. He's n- min price.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, like 10, 20%, something like that. All right. He's
0: regularly priced anyway. He's, he's a little too cheap on Fanduel at 9,400. Um,
1: but – Let's yeah. say on the off chance that he ends up in. Would you have interest? On FanDuel, 9,400, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Probably not Pardon. on DraftKings at 9,700 just because there's other guys I want exposure
1: to. That works. Oh, <sighs> Houston Rocket. Let's talk James Harden. He's the guy today. Eleven six 6 on FanDuel, Eleven eight 8 on DK. No multiplier on super SuperDraft. I agree with you on DK. This is the guy I want to pay up for. Talk to me about why.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not really all that complicated. Like we mentioned, Russell Westbrook's out when Westbrook's off the court. You know, it's a massive usage rating for Harden. He plays a lot more minutes, has more ball handling responsibilities. Uh, The other thing about Harden also, I wonder, like you look at his ownership, that's oddly low to me, like what it's projected for right now. And I is it, like how much is is Lou Dortz the public just being like Lou Dortz is the Harden stopper? Like mm-hmm. I was arguing with people about this on Twitter, where people are telling me like Ah oh, Harden, it, like Harden's been bad in this series because Dortz guarding him. It's like really Harden had thirty two points, fifteen assists, mm-hmm. and has a usage rate. Last game has a usage. I mean, a uh, uh, true shooting percentage over sixty percent for the series. No, this isn't. The there's there's a work. difference
1: between being a good defender against Harden and being. A guy that's stopping him. So, like, Dort is a fine defender, right? Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with him. He's,
0: he's, a, he's a very good defender, actually. But, like, what does that mean for Harden's production, right? Like, it's not like he stinks now. He scored 75 DraftKings points last game. Right. And I, I, I still think there's just this idea where people are like, oh, Harden, like, just can't score on Lou Dort. And it's just not the case. Like, I mean, he had one game where he didn't shoot well in the series in game three three he yeah. shot like three of 16 or four of 16 something like that which just happens sometimes he takes difficult shots sometimes he doesn't make them but that doesn't necessarily mean it's because Lou Dort totally shut him down like I understand <laughs> that Dort also defended him fairly well in the regular season but it's such a small sample size where people are looking at the stats and going whoa Harden's five for 34 and career with <laughs> Lou Dort guarding him it's like hard like like Lou Dort is the magic it's like it's like, oh, when Matthew Delvadova would shut down Steph Curry or when Rajah Bell used to be the guy who shut down uh, Kobe Bryant. Like, it's it's not these guys are bad defenders, well, Delvadova is, but it's not But it's not these guys are bad defenders. It's just that even if we say that he's the best player in the league at defending Harden, if we normally expect, let's say, just throwing the number 70 DraftKings points from Harden the spot, what do we expect now? 68 and a half? Like, yeah, what's, like, what's, the, like what's the difference? It just doesn't matter that much.
1: No, it doesn't at all. I'm I'm rarely worried about individual defensive matchups. I'm definitely not worried about them on James Harden without Russell Westbrook in a 2-2 series in the playoffs. That dude's going to play 40 minutes. He's going to shoot, I don't know, 40 times if he wants, uh, depending on how many times he gets fouled if you add the free throw attempts together, it's just, I'm not worried about it. It's James Harden. Yeah, he's hes hes more likely to score over 70 fantasy points than
0: he is to score below 50 fantasy points in this spot.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And, 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 like, he can truly break the slate. And the ownership doesn't reflect that. I mean, he's, right now we have him projected for less ownership than Giannis. He's projected for more ownership than LeBron and Anthony Davis. But just the idea that he isn't, like, by far the highest owned player on the slate is is a mistake to me.
1: It's shocking, that's for sure. Uh, I Like we said, I think he's the best play on the entire slate from DraftKings if you're paying up. Do you like anything else from the Rockets, though? Uh, I think Eric Gordon looks solid. Uh, it's not a fun dude to roster. We have him at 9% ownership. I mean, 6,100 is – that's a price tag, but – Steep. 9%? Is that
0: – I can't, like – I don't. I don't want to. Ro- I mean, it just. I want him if dollar, he's nine percent per dollar. I don't really want to roster Eric Gordon at sixty one hundred though. That's just that's just me looking at it. I know it's low ownership, but still, I, I don't think that's a good price tag, just at all for Eric Gordon. He's even though he's played well recently, he's still he's still barely scoring over thirty DraftKings points. I just, I just don't know what his legitimate upside is at, at that salary.
1: So. We have Eric Gordon projected for 9% ownership. He's at 6,100. We have Robert Covington projected for 41% ownership at 5,700. I I would just full stop rather have Eric Gordon. Like, I don't understand what's going on with that ownership right there. Should Covington, or do you like Covington? Like, do you think that ownership makes sense?
0: So I don't think the ownership makes sense. Per dollar in a vacuum, if that wasn't a factor, which doesn't really exist because it is a factor, then I like Covington. And when I was first looking at the pricing, I was like, well, Covington's only $100 more than Jeff Green. And I was just assume because of recency bias, people would gravitate towards Jeff Green anyway. Uh, not the case when I look at the ownership projections. The, the thing that's really weird about Covington and Jeff Green is Jeff Green's taking Covington's minutes. And that would have seemed so ridiculous to me before the restart. I mean, it also would have seemed ridiculous to me because Jeff Green wasn't even on the Rockets at one point, but when, but when Houston traded for Robert Covington, you just assume that like, okay, they're, they're really, they're really going for this small ball and Covington's kind of perfect for that setup. And then you look at his games, like starting the bubble and before the break, like he was playing like 40 minutes per game. And then you look (laughs) at his playing time in the series, like he played 19 minutes, two games ago. So it's really odd. I think that Covington is definitely a viable play because the price tag is too cheap. If he gets his regular minutes that I expect him to get, but I also don't think that's guaranteed. Like I don't know how to peg down how much minutes he's going to play when the last two games he played 34, and 19 minutes. So Covington's viable.
1: The ownership is a little bit high though. If Locke were in five minutes and this ownership was to be believed, I would have zero shares of Robert Covington today. I wouldn't have zero just because I still think there's
0: upside in Covington. And I don't want to, I don't want to not have exposure to Covington being what ruins the slate for me because I still, because I still think he's a good per dollar play. So when he's 40% owned and I still view him as a good play, like I don't want to have, I don't want to have zero Covington, even if I think he's going over-owned.
1: He's 65% owned on Fandle, obviously very different story since you have to roster, you know, two people at every position. It, gets weird, but that's just a big number of Robert Covington. Like, Jeff Green is at – there's no scenario where Jeff Green should be owned one-fourth the amount of Robert Covington well, on DraftKings. Here's the
0: situation, though. It's because of position. It's because of the position. Yeah, Jeff Green's, Jeff Green's center a center eligible, and
1: that's that's also very bizarre. But then, I mean, we go look – I mean, look. it, it couldn't make less sense, right? It could – like, that's the most preposterous thing I've ever seen. Jeff it Green makes, is only a center now?
0: It makes – yeah, that, that is really ridiculous. The ownership makes – less sense on FanDuel to me than it does on DraftKings because they are they have the same exact position eligibility and they're almost the same price. Covington's 5700, Jeff Green's 5500. So just with that in mind, the the ownership on them should I think be a little bit closer than what it is, so I'm kind of curious to see how that changes throughout the day. Yeah. Um cuz well, let's see what is it right now. Covington 65% and Jeff Green is 50 uh, 50. Okay. 50. So, but, but then, I mean, you look at the power forward option, like if Aaron Gordon's out, like who the hell
1: else are we rostering? There's, it's not, it's not a great spot. AD Covington, Jeff green. And then you're going to start playing like roll the dice on Kuzma, Noel, Gary Clark, Marvin Williams, Kim Birch, Wendy and Gabriel. Those are the only names that pop up in power forward for me. That is a disgusting group of people. <laughs> so
0: here's the question. If you're not rostering AD Covington, Jeff green, and assuming Aaron Gordon's out, on on FanDuel who who are you rostering at power forward
1: Wait, I'm not allowed to roster any of the four good guys? <laughs>
0: no, no, no. If, if 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 you're making a lineup that don't include those three then who who is the next guy you go to? Is it Gary Clark at 4400?
1: I mean, for me it's definitely Gary Clark right now just because of the way my model is projecting against our current ownership. I'm opening up my uh, my FanDuel sim right now so I can actually take a look at the uh the rest of this it's probably like gary clark and marvin williams or gary clark plus i don't know like if you want to get really weird Wenyan gabriel i don't like any of it i don't yeah, want kuzma because i don't like cheering for kyle kuzma he's also not good at basketball which is another
0: another issue in it against him but with that said i i think on fanduel Kuzma is worth like a very small amount of exposure to just because if this game does get out of hand, like I think it might, it just makes sense for the Lakers to play Kuzma in the fourth quarter and try to build up his confidence heading into a second round series because he's been just totally awful in the playoffs. (laughs) And I mean, they've said multiple times, like LeBron has said it. He said, if we need, if we're going to go deep in the playoffs, Kyle Kuzma has to be our third best player. I don't, I don't believe that's true at all. Like I think Kyle Kuzma could be their sixth best player and they're fine. But that seems to be what their team sentiment is, is, hey, we need to get Kyle Kuzma going. Kuzma has to be an important part of our team going forward. And I think that's why, if this is a blowout situation, they're going to have Kuzma out on the court. I think, you know, it would be pretty similar to is, is what the Clippers did with Harrell last night. I think we could see the same thing happen with Kuzma
1: today. If Kyle Kuzma needs to be your third best guy to win the title, you're probably not going to be a title team. Uh, no, probably or. not. Except or every... <laughs> LeBron and AD are just so far ahead at one and two that there's
0: spillover <laughs> yeah, that or every team in the West is just really flawed. And it's, yeah. it's hard to, if you had, who, who do you think's the favorite coming out of the West right now? The Clippers, the Clippers,
1: uh, I would, I would feel safer betting on the Clippers than, than the Lakers. It's obviously close.
0: It's hard. I don't like any of them. It's really funny because everybody was pumping up Houston a week ago and now they've lost two games in a row. And I don't even know if I
1: favor Houston to beat the Thunder in the series anymore. Houston is just terrifying. Like, you know what you're getting out of them. If they happen to be hot, they take so many threes that it's really difficult to cut into that when it's good. Like, they had that third quarter in game four. I, I believe they were eight for eight from three to start. I, I know they went cold then in the fourth, as they are wont to do from time to time. Uh When that hot part comes up, like, it's really difficult to just keep up with that. You don't – you your normal possessions just aren't going to be enough to offset their hot shooting. I feel like every game they play in the playoffs is a 50% chance of victory.
0: Like, they <laughs> could win or lose any game. And the way I look at just, like, the spreads of the series, it's like, oh, the Rockets are favored. I'm going to fade them as favorites, like, in terms of betting. And then it's like, oh, they're underdogs. I like them as underdogs. Because I, I just think any game, they have the potential to shoot themselves in
1: or out of a win. I uh, We are on the exact same page here. Let's touch on some more from Houston. Uh, Any interest in Daniel House? Any interest in P.J. Tucker? I don't think we could really go any further than that. Uh, To me, Austin Rivers and Ben McLemore not in play. Uh, I've been getting a lot of P.J. Tucker as of late. I don't love it, but I think he's going a little underrepresented at the very least. Uh, Ultimately, though, James Harden is the guy that's ruling the roost for me. I'm kind of surprised that Daniel House
0: isn't, like in the same ownership realm as Jeff Green and Robert Covington, just based on how well he's played so far this series and the minutes he's getting, like, look at the last three games for house 39 minutes, 42, 38, Uh, fantasy points averaging right around 30 in those games. Uh, We talked about, you, you brought up Eric Gordon before, like I'd rather roster Daniel house than Eric Gordon. Really?
1: Just look at the playing time. Well, Gordon was is sort of working his way back. I guess House was, too, in a way. Uh, Let's see. If you assume that Eric Gordon's ownership comes up from single digits, which is an assumption that I would safely make right now, um, then it becomes really close. But if he really is nine, I would have a hard time getting to House over Gordon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just look at house and it's he's doing it in ways too where it's not like we're not relying on any one thing. I mean, he's he's scoring points, he's rebounding, there's some defensive stats. So like he's really well-balanced stat lines and he has almost no usage in the series and he's still playing this well. It's just he's getting a lot of minutes. He rebounds, he picks up like a steal and a block per game uh, and then there's a steal or a block, then there's some assists there. So he just does a little bit of everything. I think the floor and the ceiling is both pretty solid for Daniel House.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I like him. I'll have him. Uh, I don't think it's – other than what I deem to be egregious Robert Covington ownership on DraftKings, I expect to have Harden, Gordon, Covington, Greenhouse, Tucker in a pretty solid amount just because I like having this game and I like Houston's chances in it. What do you think about Oklahoma City's chances here? Uh, How do you want to hash out the backcourt? Is it a Chris Paul day? Is it an SGA day? Dennis Schroeder? Do we think that Steven Adams can be viable? Lou Dort at 4,200, I think, is going a little under-owned, even though uh, offensively he is, let's say, challenged. How do you want to handle the Thunder?
0: Yeah, so, I mean – I'm a, I'm a Chris Paul mark. Right. So I, I just yeah. like, I just love everything. Chris Paul, he's going to be in my player pool. I think two of my higher own players on this list still probably be Chris Paul and James Harden, just because I really like the idea of stacking this, uh, this, this game. Uh, one rule that I'm going to set is I, I don't want to have more than two of Chris Paul SGA and Dennis Schroeder in the same lineup.
1: Uh, I set I that like, rule every day.
0: Yeah. Like I'm, I'm fine with them. I think that I definitely think there's a chance that two of them have big games the chance that all three of them have a big game at the same time is that's almost none for me. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is kind of a weird player because he scores like the same amount of fantasy points almost every single game. (laughs) So there's not a whole lot of upside there, but there is some security there because he scores. uh, He averaged 30 DraftKings points for the season and he scores in between like 26 and 32 DraftKings points almost every single game. So, he's somebody who I think if you're like filling out a lineup and it's like, oh, I have one spot available with this amount of money left, then Gallo's fine. It's just hard for me to look at him in GPP and be like, I want a ton of Gallonari because he generally doesn't have a ton of upside. Uh, the Stephen Adams one's interesting because, in theory, he should be crushing the, the Rockets' really small front court. And that looked like it was going to be the case in the first game of the series. He had 17 points and 12 rebounds while only playing 28 minutes, but he just isn't really doing much other than rebounding in this series. Like he's not been able to score. He's not blocking shots, which I think that should regress a little bit. I expect him to block a little bit more shots going forward. He's only blocked one shot the entire series. Uh, but the, the upside that I perceived to be on Steven Adams coming into the series just hasn't played out. He just isn't doing anything other than rebound.
1: I'm surprised uh, it's, he gets the ball on the block and it's like, he doesn't even look for it. And I thought that that would have been the first goal. Like, oh, cool. I have a mismatch. Almost always, if I have any sort of decent position, he doesn't seem to be looking for it at all. That said, even when I discount his rates to be as gross as they are in this series from an offensive perspective, uh, he still shows up as a really nice value, particularly relative to what we're projecting as his ownership. I just saw this now, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. Jeff Green is 5,600. Steven Adams is 5,500. Adams twice as owned as Jeff Green. Who would you rather have today, Jeff Green or Stephen Adams?
0: Uh, Relative to ownership, probably Jeff Green. If, if that okay. wasn't a factor, then it would still be it would be Stephen Adams.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, but the ownership is a factor. And we'll, we'll see how that changes during the day. Stephen Adams has also been pretty popular throughout the playoffs. So I think that's going to continue to be the case. And the other thing, too, is if Robert Covington is going to be so popular, then it's hard to imagine that Covington and Jeff Green are both going to be that popular of plays on DraftKings, so I I think it probably stands to reason that Adams is going to be more popular than Green. Uh, I think that both are viable relative to ownership. Green probably the stronger play because I think that the the expected output for them is probably about similar.
1: What do we do with Dort?
0: For me, nothing. I mean, there's here. Interesting. Here, I think I'm going to have a lot. Here, here's the issue. I mean, I'm sure they're going to want to play him a bunch of minutes because of. You know, he, he has defended Harden about as well as anybody could. But I also think there's so much potential for Harden to just get him into immediate foul trouble. Like, we yeah. saw that happen last game. And the other thing, too, is that Dort is terrible on offense. Like, he does he, – he's actually – he shot exactly 3 for 10 from the field in every game this series.
1: Yeah, when, when Doris Burke is yelling at you to stop shooting, it's it's just not going great for you. At least not on the offensive end. And Sorry, Lou. It would be different to me if he was,
0: like, 3,400 or something like that, which – Earlier in the series, he had a game where he was thirty eight hundred. He was in the low three thousands at the end of the regular season. But rostering him at forty two hundred—that's that's a little more than I want to play for. than I want to pay for Lou Dort.
1: I am unfortunately very interested, and it's not even like I haven't projected all that well. Nineteen point three fantasy points at forty two hundred. I just don't see a ton of value options at the bottom, particularly when I think a lot of people are going to get funneled to the same ones. And if he's maintaining 6% ownership, I have his odds of being a relevant player in this uh, more than double that. Um, still a, a relatively low likelihood. We're talking like 15%, but that's a guy that I'm going to look to pay down for in this game. So I like Dort and I like Schroeder. Um, I want to like Chris Paul more. I'll probably end up relatively neutral on DraftKings, but on FanDuel, we've got Paul at 50% ownership. If Chris Paul is in half of the FanDuel lineups today, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So for me,
0: just because I want to stack this game, and the point guard options are so terrible on FanDuel. I just don't know where else you'd go. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's Chris Paul, there's Eric Bledsoe, Markel Fultz, George Hill, DJ Augustine. And that's kind of it. Like, who else are we going to? Are we going to Anthony Simons with, with Lillard out? Are we going to Alex Caruso, assuming that Rondo still sits again? So, it, I mean, there's only so many options that – you just kind of by default have to get a lot of exposure to Chris Paul.
1: He scares me. He's scared. I think my most likely combination of point guards on FanDuel today is Alex Caruso and Anthony Simons, which is does not make me feel like I'm playing a playoff sleep. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see. What did Simons
0: like? Play? He played 25 minutes last game after Lily got hurt and that was a blowout? Yeah. So yeah, Simon's probably is probably viable. Um, yeah, I, I just find it hard to get away from Chris Paul because of what the other options are. That, and I think that he could push for 40 minutes in this game.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. They're going to need it. Um, I just worry that Chris Paul plays a ton of minutes and then we don't see him in game six or potentially game seven because he has injured his something or other. Uh, Which hasn't been the case this year. He's no. He's been
0: really healthy. And, I mean, if we're trying to find a, a reason for it, He did go to a vegan diet and he said it's totally changed his health. Like he said, he used to have knee pain. He said that after changing his diet that that went away and he's been really, he's been really healthy this year. So he's gotten hurt every other year of his career until he changed his diet, he changed his diet and he's healthy now. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to say like, is that totally the reason, but considering that coming into the year, like for yearly leagues, I was like, I really like Chris Paul, but he's risky because he's almost definitely going to get hurt. And then he just never got hurt. And full, full fade. He's a vegan. <laughs> he's, also <laughs> a healthy, he's also a healthy basketball player.
1: He, he's a fantastic basketball player. And a an healthy
0: one, which has I love never Chris been Paul. the case in the past. It would be such a bummer if this is the if this is the time that Chris Paul finally got hurt after staying healthy for the entirety of the regular season.
1: Yeah, not, uh, I didn't expect him to be loving his time in Oklahoma City, and he has taken to it um, very kindly so far. Uh, yeah, chat saying never trust vegans. I agree not only that but this the eye
0: test to me Dennis Schroeder and SGA it seemed like they very much emulate Chris Paul's play style now especially Dennis Schroeder like Schroeder's out on the court it it just looks like he's doing a Chris Paul impression
1: good because it's better than doing a Dennis Schroeder (laughs) impression
0: uh, that's for sure other than when he takes those terrible three-pointers but he's making them at least recently at a higher clip than he usually does but he has a terrible looking jump shot
1: Chat, I need your help. There are 600 of of you in here and only 94 likes. No part of that seems okay to me. Let's flip that 94 into 200. Let's just hit that thumbs up. It helps us out a ton. If you haven't already hit that thumbs up, now's the time to do so. I would greatly appreciate it. Helps me out. Helps Greg out. Helps Jordan out behind the scenes. You guys don't know it, but it definitely helps um favorite play from houston flavor favorite play from oklahoma city and then give me uh any final thoughts if you had any
0: yeah so i think from houston it just has to be james harden especially because he's not even getting that much ownership which is crazy to me so pretty much a layup to me that james harden is going to be my highest known player on the slate he's the guy who i want to get a lot of exposure to from the okc side of the game hmm I have to say it's Chris Paul for me, just because I don't know. Maybe SGA? I think the more interesting discussion... For me, I'm going to say Chris Paul is my favorite play from the Thunder side of the game. Do you prefer okay. SGA or Dennis Schroeder?
1: Um, I have Shea as a better play. I would be more likely to get to Schroeder more in a GPP given his current ownership. Okay. That's not a, not a great answer, but... like. If I were playing a cash game, I would be more likely to have SGA in it. If I'm playing in a GPP, I'm more likely to have Schroeder.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at what the ownership is on DraftKings. I see Shy is at 19% and Schroeder is at 10%. Uh, I still prefer Shy a little bit just because the – I mean, for a three-game slate, that isn't like that much – like 19% isn't too crazy of an ownership. No. Uh, Especially just because I feel like you have to stack this game. Uh, especially given what the other games look like. So, yeah, I think I, th- I think Shy is a
1: really good play also, but Chris Paul, my favorite overall from the Thunder. Perfect. On FanDuel, whew, there's so much ownership coming in on Houston. I think I probably like Jeff Green the most on FanDuel. Um, and then on Oklahoma City, probably SGA at 7,300. Yeah. Uh, Happy to go to Dort as a value play. If you're playing on Superdraft, James Harden looks great, even without a multiplier, 1.0. And I don't get the sense that I would get to a lot from Oklahoma City on Superdraft. Best play is probably Chris Paul at 1.4x, um, but I don't see anybody like truly breaking free there. Guys, if you want to check out some stuff at awesomemo.com, today's a good day. We've got some free content for you our nba ownership rankings since you're listening to the nba show i assume that's the most important piece of this nba ownership rankings free today if you're looking to dip your toe into the waters of nhl our nhl player projections are free today and if you want to play a little bit of baseball our mlb top stacks tool which in my opinion is the best thing that we have. Uh, I love looking at Alex's data on MLB stacks, the ownership that's coming in, the value that that stack brings, the ownership on that stack. So, you know, if you're getting an over-owned team or an under-owned team, it's one of my favorite pieces of content we have. That is free for today as well. And now I finally have to give my little shout out. Thank you to Superdraft for being the presenting sponsor of this show. I just closed my NBA model for reasons that i don't know but i'll be able to open it by the time this read is done look if you want to play at super draft you don't have to worry about salaries that's why i'm shouting out Giannis and then shouting out harden most people will hear that and be like yo you can't play all those guys together not so fast my friend you can do that at super draft don't have to worry about salaries it's a multiplier system you can just pick your best lineup you can do this for nba mlb pga nascar mma nfl is right around the corner if you want to sign up at Superdraft, use the promo code AWESEMO10, O one zero. Get yourself $10 on your first $10 deposit. Get yourself $20 on your first deposit of $100 or more. You can go to the App Store, download the app, or just go to Superdraft.io. It's Superdraft, no limits, more winning, and an open model file. <laughs> Thank God. Got a little nervous there. Got, ha- got a little happy with the clicks. 608 people we got to 165 likes on the request i'll let it slide for now but once we get through a little bit of this lakers game i'm going to expect you guys to get that number over 200
0: well not gonna lie while you're doing the read i went over to youtube and gave us the thumbs up
1: so i i contributed there i appreciate it i logged in as myself as my mom and dad i gave a couple extra thumbs up for us game in the system lakers are 14 point favorites at home against the blazers uh Let's just put the guess out there now. I'm assuming Anthony Davis and LeBron James both play.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: If that is the case, we have AD 36% owned on FanDuel at 11.1. We have LeBron James 23% owned at 10.6 on DraftKings. AD is $300 cheaper. He's 14% owned compared to LeBron James at 18. I don't know how you feel about it right now, but if those ownership numbers stay where they're at, it kind of makes it more difficult for me to get to James Harden because I think that AD and LeBron are going a little bit underowned.
0: Yeah, I mean, not for me, just because I think that Harden is going more underowned compared to what I expect from him, and also just the overall security of him as a play. So, I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, obviously, yes, they both have upside. But if you look at them during the regular season, which at this point this kind of is like a regular season game, right? Like this doesn't yeah. have the the same implications of a regular, a regular playoff game. It's not like either one of them were crazy, crazy upside plays for the most part. I mean, Davis averaged 51 DraftKings points. LeBron also averaged 51 DraftKings points. Like these guys are not nearly the same fantasy producers as players like James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I also think that it's fairly likely that these guys don't play in the fourth quarter. Like the Lakers don't have any any issue with pulling these guys out late in the game. Uh LeBron last game in a blowout only played 28 minutes. He played really well except still only ended up with 53 drafting points. That's not going to get it done Anthony Davis only played 18 minutes. He also left the game early with back spasms which I mean, who knows how legitimate that is because the the, the game was so out of hand. But still he only played 18 yeah. minutes. So that's that's a huge concern for me. If if the game is going to be out of hand to the point where LeBron's going to play like 28 minutes and Like AD plays 25, I think the ownership's reasonable. On Fanduel, I think there's a little bit more of a case for Anthony Davis being under owned just because the power forward options are non-existent.
1: Yeah, it might not matter uh, at that spot just because it falls off a complete cliff from Robert Covington, then Jeff Green, and then you, as we mentioned before, you get into a real mess of having to think like, oh, well, like maybe Nerlens Noel plays 16 minutes. And then you're not happy with yourself. How are you projecting Anthony Davis and LeBron James from a minutes perspective today?
0: I have no clue. It's so hard for me to figure out with, with blowouts. And then the other thing too, is there's just, there's such just factors going head to head. For one, if they just win this game comfortably, they get extra rest, right? They don't have to play another game. So there's reason to think that there's more rest coming, but then the same time too, it's like neither one of them are maybe at hundred percent. Like Anthony Davis left last game early. LeBron's been on the injury report for forever with that groin thing, which I, I assume is nothing, but who knows? So I, I've, i mixed feelings about it where it's like, do they really want to just go hard to make sure they win the game and just move on to the next round and get that extra rest? Or do they just look at it as, Hey, we're probably going to win the game anyway. So let's just go easy and play these guys like 25 minutes. So I, the short answer is, I, I don't know.
1: Fair, totally fair. So then um, obviously you are at least, Pessimistic on the playing time for Anthony Davis and LeBron James today. Who are the biggest benefactors for that? Uh, with them not being on the floor, someone down the line, uh, I assume, is standing out to you from the Lakers. So I wouldn't
0: say standing out to me, but I mentioned it before, I think Kyle Kuzma is viable just because I think they want to try to get this guy extra reps as they go deeper in the playoffs because. Whether it's true or not, LeBron James has said publicly that he thinks Kyle Kuzma is the third best player on the team. They need him to be the third best player on the team, and they need him to score to make a deep playoff run. I don't think that's the case, but as long as LeBron thinks that's the case, uh, it stands to reason that Kyle Kuzma is going to play extended minutes in a blowout so they could try to get him some touches and try to get him into a rhythm going forward. Beyond that, I look, I look at the rotation. They might play everybody today. Deion Waiters might play. J.R. Smith might play. Jared Dudley might play. Quinn Cook might play. Like They might empty the bench and just throw everybody out there. And that makes it really hard for me to look at anybody cheap as a good value play. If I had to pick one guy, I think Caruso makes the most sense for cheap. Yeah. Uh, But I don't have a whole lot of confidence in him.
1: Yeah. uh, Caruso is probably my favorite play coming out of the Lakers today. Uh, Ownership is already there. I kind of like KCP. I have him in for 28 minutes right now. That feels like a number that is probably too high given the makeup of this game. Something that I'll explore a little bit later. Rotations are pretty tough to do at six o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to lie, um, but those would be the first two guys that I look at. Is three thousand three hundred dollars Markeef Morris someone we should look at for today, given his price? Let's see.
0: Definitely not. He's, with, we're
1: already projecting thirteen percent ownership.
0: Definitely not as at his higher price on Fanduel and then no. DraftKings thirty three hundred played. 18 minutes last game, even though it was a blowout. So I'm going to lean with no, just because it's just just not enough playing time. Like if I was to look at his playing time and see like, oh, he got 25 minutes in a blowout last time, then I'd feel a little bit more confident in it. But for the series, he's playing 18 minutes per game and averaging 13 DraftKings points. That's not enough for
1: me. (sighs) This is going to be a tricky one for the Lakers, given that this game is last. (laughs) <laughs> it's just not going to be fun. When when the starters come out and it's something super weird, like J.R. Smith is starting or Quinn Cook is starting, don't be surprised to see something just really crazy here from the Lakers. J.R. Smith's starting, I'd be very surprised by. So would I, but you never know. They're like, hey, buddy, start this game. Get yourself a bottle of Henny after this. Rest it off tomorrow. You'll be all right. And then we move to Portland. No Damian Lillard. So we assume – CJ is going to go for it. I'm shocked to see this right now. Maybe you can talk me through it. The guy that I think is the obvious best play here is projected for 6% ownership. Is Anthony Simon is just not going to get the minutes. I understand that he's 4k by the way.
0: So here's, here's the thing I, I have right now. First look, I was just like Gary Trent's going to get all the minutes, uh, which I still kind of think there's a pretty good chance of that happening. Uh, Anthony Simons earlier in the year did start when when Willard got hurt. There was the stretch where Simons started was like three games when Willard had the bum ankle yeah. and uh, got a lot of minutes and kind of sucked in them. I think he had one yes. game where he played like 46 minutes and scored like 20 fantasy points or something like that, like something dumb. There was a game that went to overtime and he played like every minute in the game and still like barely did anything. So then I look at some of the other guys in that starting lineup where it's like CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, Jusuf Nurkic, and I think that even when Simon's on the court, I'm not sure how much how much usage he's going to get. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think he's viable. I prefer him on FanDuel to DraftKings. Uh, 4000 on DraftKings is probably about a fair price. That He's cheaper on FanDuel because of the positional scarcity. He becomes more of a viable play. Uh, the, I, I think it stands to reason that Gary Trent plays more than
1: minutes. I mean, we gotta make up forty minutes. There's only so many more Gary Trent can possibly play coming off a of game. Um, I mean, let's here's a really easy comparison point for me on DraftKings. He's the same price as Danny Green and he's projected for half of Danny Green's ownership. I don't know how you land on something like that. Yeah, I think I think Simons is
0: fine. Um I the only thing I'm contesting is when you say that he's your favorite play on the Blazers. That's that's where I'm like, I don't know if I feel that confident in Anthony Simons.
1: So technically speaking, Hassan Whiteside would be my favorite play, but his ownership is already there. Um, like I have Anthony Simons being a top eight guy relative to salary 30% of the time on draftings. I gave him 30 minutes. I, I just don't think like, unless they're going to get really weird and play Jalen Horde a lot more or Jalen Adams or really random guys, like they're saying this is done. If Anthony Simons plays 30 minutes, I and we maintain 6% ownership, I might have them in 80% of my lineups. It's going to be really problematic. All right, so I'm going
0: to look at uh, when was the last close game the Blazers played without Damian Lode in the lineup. This was uh, February 29th against the Hawks. I'm just going to pull up this game and just see what the minutes looked like this game.
1: February 29th, Simon's played 16 minutes.
0: Well, that's, that's not all that encouraging. Um, no, not
1: at all. Like, well, yeah, like if, if we're expecting Anthony Simons to play 16 minutes, I'm in real trouble. So they went with uh, McCollum
0: played 38. That's reasonable. Whiteside played over 30. They had Trevor Ariza then, so that's a little different because they don't have Ariza anymore. Um, and they played Gary Trent right around 30 minutes. Winnie Gabriel played 18. Hazoni played 12. So I guess I'm kind of looking at this, and it's like, all right, so Trevor Reza played a whole ton of minutes. Where are those minutes going to go? I think Gary Trent could probably play more than the 29 he played that game. Uh, Trent played 36 last game. I think Trent could push for 40 minutes in this game. I I think that's not impossible, especially because what's the path to victory for the Blazers today? They take a ton of threes, create a lot of variance. That's it, right? Gary Trent is maybe the best three-point shooter on the team. So I think you just play Gary Trent a ton of minutes and say, hey, shoot the ball a lot because this is our path. This is our path to victory this game. So I think Trent plays a ton. Simons could play decent minutes. I don't even know if he's ahead of Mario Hazzoni in the rotation. Sorry. Sorry to, sorry to put it on you like that, except Hazzoni's playing more minutes than Simons as is.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really expect the fact that Simons has played in the last three games, I think is miraculous. Um, that said, like when you lose forty plus minutes from game, that doesn't just get soaked up easily.
0: No, but it's still spreading around. It's still hard for me to look at the the Blazers and just how they've used Simons in recent games. At and I mean recent is uh, not necessarily the right word because there hasn't actually been a recent game. But the the most recent games that Lillard didn't play, like they gave Simons a crack at it. Right, the first the first few games Lillard was out, they started Simons. And he played poorly enough where they just took him out of the rotation. And then the more recent games without Lillard, Simon just didn't play that much because he didn't really do enough in those minutes to earn himself more playing time. So I think he's fine, but I also just look at other guys on the, on the roster. And it's not to say that Simons won't get minutes, but I also think they could give minutes to Jalen Horde. I think they could give minutes to Jalen Adams. And that's where it becomes an issue for me with Simons is that I agree with you that it's not necessarily, you don't just give all 40 of those minutes to to Gary Trent, but maybe I give 10 of them to Gary Trent. Maybe uh, CJ McCollum plays more minutes this game. And maybe his own plays a few more minutes. This game, Simon's plays a few more. And then if we also say that Jalen Adams and Jalen order going to be in the rotation, I don't necessarily think that Simon's gets to is, you know, 28 to 30 minutes. <sighs>
1: I hate it, man. I hate it. It's something I'm going to have to dig into all day. Uh, even if, think... even if I come off of 30 and make it 26, he's still, I'll still have him like two and a half times more than the field easily. I I don't understand 6% on a day where value is sort of hard to come by.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think he's, I think he's fine. Uh, Like for me, I just find it so hard to predict minutes for this slate. So I'm looking at it more in terms of like, just throwing my hands up in the air and just be like, okay, I'm going to give the, like, I'm just looking at it from terms of I'm going to play this guy in like 10% of my lineups. I find it too hard to predict the minutes for me to really get bogged down and trying to do it. So it's going to be a little bit more based on feel. I will say this with Simons. He played 25 minutes last game and it was a blowout. If this is a one-sided game in the fourth quarter, I'm fairly confident Simons is going to be on the court in that situation. Yeah.
1: I just, I I look at all these other guys. I look at Alex Caruso at 24% ownership, who I like. I look at KCP at 16% ownership, who I like. Should they be that much more owned than Anthony Simons in this spot? Until... I hear differently about whether they're running a different rotation or like if he's not starting, you okay. What do you think the starting lineup looks like for the Blazers today? Who's taking Dame's spot?
0: Uh, I assume the starting lineup is going to be Gary Trent, Carmelo, Anthony, Hassan Whiteside, CJ McCollum, and Joseph Nurkic.
1: CJ, Mallow, Trent, Whiteside, Nurkic. Okay. Oh God, that's a weird ass lineup.
0: I mean, any lineup where you have Nurkic and Whiteside on the court together is a weird lineup. Right? Like that's sure. that's hot enough as is. Uh, I don't I don't see any reason that they would switch Whiteside Nurkic at this point, unless it's just a thing where they're like, hey, we want to get as much three pointing three point shooting on the floor as possible, so we're gonna move Whiteside back to a bench role because variance is our only chance to win, and then they're like, hey, we're gonna start. Uh, simons in the backcourt with trenton McComb. or maybe they say that we're going to go with his own just because he is a better shooter than white side even if he's not necessarily a good shooter but i i have to assume that Whiteside side nurkic start together in the front court
1: does it give you any pause for trent if this game isn't going well like, like what what do you think his floor in minutes is ignoring like foul trouble I still think it's pretty high because he, he played
0: 34 minutes last game, even though it was a blowout. And now there's no Lillard. And let's see, earlier in the year without Lillard, um, what did he do in blowout? There wasn't really too many of the blowouts, so it's hard to say. I think that the I think the minutes floor is kind of sneaky high for Trent because I think especially the way that he's played really well in the bubble, and I think they're still kind of trying to evaluate what they have with him going forward. I think that even if it's a blowout, they're still gonna play Trenton in the in the fourth quarter.
1: Okay. I just I took two minutes off of Simons. I bumped up Trent a little bit. Um but that still makes me have like it still makes Simons my highest leverage play on DraftKings. It does make Gary Trent be probably my second favorite leverage play, given where I have him right now. Nope, that's that can't be right. You know, I don't think that Gary Trent is gonna play. Uh, 56 minutes today. That seems like it's going to no. be outside of his realm of possibility. He project. No, <laughs> if you want to project him really well today, I-, I would suggest going with 56 minutes. It really makes him climb straight to the top of every list.
0: Yeah, he's he's a really good player in 56 minutes.
1: Yes, I'm projecting uh, him playing the full 48 and then getting himself into overtime. Not sure if he's going to be able to make it through uh, the double overtime periods. So I'm only giving him eight minutes, at which point he'll he will foul out. <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, Gary Trent really jumped to the top here. What's yeah, going on? Uh,
0: so the, yeah, those two minutes he gave
1: from uh, Simon to Trent really made a big difference. Yeah. If, if people are looking and ever wondering like, what's the edge in DFS, you just got to be projecting 56 <laughs> minutes played for some of these guys. That's it's obvious after that. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Bonzi Colson game from the bucks last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm digging Trent. I have him and Simon's looking pretty similar now, uh, given my projections. I'm cool with that man. Whiteside being at 40% ownership. I didn't think it was going to get there, but because of his like per minute upside in case they try to put Nurkic on ice and just give Whiteside a little bit more time. I don't get the sense that Hassan Whiteside is long for the Portland trailblazers. Um, I don't mind going that direction. Anybody stand out to you on Fanduel? I think these guys are getting a little bit underrepresented there. Whiteside at 20%. Obviously, we know why. Center position. But Mello, 27. Gary Trent, 26. Simons, 25. I think it's a little bit easier to get to some of these guys on Fanduel. So, he's not
0: necessarily like, – not that he has no ownership, but – Given how much ownership that Whiteside has today, Nurkic, I think, is going a little bit overlooked. Um, We don't have a whole lot of data this year on this team makeup, how Nurkic looks with Lillard off the court, just because Nurkic has only played in a few games. But I think it stands to reason that Nurkic is going to have a lot more playmaking duties. And I think that one of the only ways this game stays close, like Nurkic is going to have to play pretty well, right? Like they're going to have to make threes, and Nurkic is just going to have to play well. So also with Whiteside being projected for, you know, like 40 to 50% ownership, I think that Nurkic kind of makes for a good pivot because it also stands to reason that if Nurkic plays a big game, Whiteside probably doesn't.
1: Yeah. Um, I I like that call. Seeing Whiteside at 40% and seeing Nurkic at 14 stands out. It's just that $8,600 price tag on Nurkic is a really, really tough sell. I mean, we talked about it before. Like, I don't like Vooch. But I like Vooch a lot more, $600 more expensive than I like Nurkic in this spot. Um, That's where it gets tricky. I agree per dollar. I I don't
0: really like him all that much. But I still look at last game uh, with with Lillard getting hurt. Nurkic only played 27 minutes. He scored 43 DraftKings points. And most importantly, from a 26% usage rating. So that's his highest usage of the entire series. And it's hard to say that that's anything other than Lillard getting hurt.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he should be a, a major benefactor from a like an offensive touches perspective. Just having Dame off, you, you got to fill a lot. I mean, you got to fill everything. He's the entire team favorite play from the Lakers. Favorite play from Portland, and then we will get out of here. Uh, from Portland, I'm going to say Gary
0: Trent Jr. I, I still think that he stands to play the most, stand the, to gain the most minutes from the Lord being out. And then the other thing also is is that I think he, he has a good chance of playing garbage time if if that happens, but I think is fairly likely. So I like the combination of ceiling and floor on Gary Trent Jr. From the Lakers' side of the game, just just based on the low ownership and potential upside thing he has, I'm going to go with Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers. But this is a team that I don't think I'm going to target all that much today.
1: So on FanDuel, I like Alex Caruso at 4,100 as my favorite option from the Lakers. And on FanDuel, uh, it's got to be Simon's flat minimum. Um, It really, like, if you think he's playing anything in, you know, 24 minutes or above, him being the flat minimum on FanDuel just is is really difficult to pass up. Uh, I still like him at 4K on DraftKings, but there's a big difference between being the flat minimum price and being $1,000 over that price. All righty. Well. Three games up, three games down. It's gonna be a fun slight. Keep your eyes on the news. We'll be getting an official injury report in 18 minutes. That will be very interesting to see. I'm excited for that. Greg, anything you want to plug? Anything else you got going on today? Uh,
0: today, yeah. I've got the, I'm doing uh, live before lock for baseball later today. Then recording a baseball podcast with Emacs. So I will I'll be busy with awesome content.
1: There we go. Check all of it out hit that like button if you haven't 225 i'm very happy with it mlb strategy show coming up at 11 a.m eastern time go check that out best of luck guys we'll talk to you again tomorrow jordan klein play that music